Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does almost every show that I do, whether it's uh, DNVR or PHNX, it's the mayor of PHNX. My hot tag, my hot tag, Derek Montillo. What's up, buddy? All city like the mayor. And that's you. Big my day. ego's so big right now. It's so it's. I'm going to be difficult to deal with, just saying. Well, look, we already launched All City NBA, All City NFL, All City NHL, All City All Elite Wrestling is going to be you mm-hmm. and me. And I don't think anyone knows it's coming, but when it does, it's going to be a big launch for us, I think. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this day. It's the whole reason why I joined this network. It was not to cover baseball. It was to eventually pair up with you and cover pro wrestling, which is, I think, what we were meant to do. Fun fact, uh, behind behind the paywall there, so to speak, for, for anyone that is a diehard or, or otherwise, during the pandemic, I secured DNVR underscore combat, and I was like, oh, maybe we're going to have to pivot to MMA and pro wrestling. Oh, Never let's happened. go. Never uh, happened. I hope appreciate it's still secured, though. It. Appreciate the love, Elizabeth, Patty Plantan, and Mr. Mayor reunited for the first time in hours because we've been hours. doing some fun stuff covering the world series, which we'll talk about today covering for PHNX diamondbacks and PHNX sports. Got my guy, Kevin Henry to talk a little bit of Rockies later on in the show action packed, but unfortunately uh, a lot of the action that took place last night during the 11, seven win for the Texas Rangers in game four were runs scored uh, by those Texas Rangers. A pair of five-run innings, all with two outs. Rangers hit for the cycle in the second inning, second time or tenth time that's ever happened in World Series history, hitting for the cycle in the same inning. Atlanta actually did it twice back in 1991 for a score that was only off by four, which when you lose by four, that is a decent amount in a baseball game, right? Um, But in a game in which there were 18 runs scored, it seemed like the game was a lot closer than it actually was. Was wasn't it? Yeah, because the Rangers essentially scored ten runs unanswered, and when you're down ten to nothing, like I said last night in Little League, I believe they typically call the game at that point, right? It would have been a three inning <laughs> yeah. World Series game uh, with the way things went. Uh, it wasn't fun to watch, you know. It wasn't entertaining, and even even the comeback, if you want to call it that, their ability to put up some runs and make the deficit look a little, a little less atrocious. Uh, you know, it just it seemed like it was just kind of garbage time, you know, uh, runs. And I, I do 
I am encouraged by the fact that they were able to do that late and get things going in the hopes that that can carry over here uh, to a very, very important game five. But uh, I just think that there was a, a lot to be disappointed about last night. And I, I mean, you could question a whole lot, but again, it just it just goes to show that the Diamondbacks are close, but they are still they still have some glaring holes, you know, in, in not only their starting rotation, but, you know, at third base and and they don't have, you know, somebody that's superior there, DH. So, like, there's just some things that the Diamondbacks still kind of have had as weaknesses all season long that are now kind of being exposed in a longer series. Uh, they got away with it with the Phillies, but they couldn't get away with it against this Rangers team. Yeah, do you think that's one of the new rules that'll be coming from Commissioner Rob Manfred, both the 10-run rule in the World Series, where we'll end these games early, or are we more maybe more likely to see the electronic or automatic ball strike system, the ABS, the robo-umps, the robocop the robo. umpires? I think that's probably more likely, uh, because you, know, you and I haven't I, talked on the DNVR yeah. Rocky show about that. Like, it's been... Uh, that was a, that was a rough one in in game uh, game number three with uh, with the umpire uh, behind the plate and a lot of missed calls, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, again, there's something to be said about the fact that uh, you had an umpire who was ranked where he was umpiring in a World Series game. Uh, as as a Diamondbacks podcast, of course, we got some pushback from Rangers fans saying that the umpiring was just as bad in game two. And I, I don't think that makes it any better. I think that just exposes the problem as far as, you know, okay, yeah, the umpires suck. Like, I'm not trying to say that it's one-sided. I'm just saying uh, I notice it more when it's the team that I root for and I'm covering, right? So it, it's a bit different when, you know, you're looking at it uh, through the lens of, of who you're rooting for. But I, I just think that, it, to be honest, we've advanced this game. We've made changes to make it better. You cannot argue at all that the – pitch clock and and the rules they implemented this year didn't do things to improve the game and make the game more fun to watch it's infuriating that in any sport an official can determine the outcome of the game especially with a bad call but what we saw was a lot of bad calls and sure some of them might have been makeup calls for other bad calls but does that make it any better like should an umpire ever be doing that granting bad makeup calls just because he missed another call like that's insanity to me so uh it, unfortunately in in uh game three that was really a big factor uh you couldn't say that about last night's game you know last night's game was definitely the bullpen not being able to to do the job essentially and i mean it's it's kind of one of those okay the bullpen has bent but it hasn't broken well it kind of broke there in game four and if the diamondbacks end up losing this series tonight in game five which we'll we'll preview i don't think there's going to be a ton of backlash of oh no because of the umpiring they lost no. right they they no. lost yeah. but it is one of those yeah. butterfly effect things where you go you know maybe if if that goes a little bit differently yeah but game one really was it was the big one where it was just yeah. right in the grasp of the diamondbacks hands that's the maybe the bigger what if it's kind of wild to me that the bullpen has really been the story of the Diamondbacks season they you know there's been talk about living and dying with corbin carroll they, they've lived and died with their bullpen. Their bullpen was a problem early on in the season. Their closing situation was a problem early in the season. Uh, and then at the trade deadline, they bring in Paul Sewald. They call up, you know, Andrew Saulfrank. They bring in Ryan Thompson. And those guys kind of helped, you know, settle the bullpen in and make them an asset instead of a liability like they were at one point during the season. That's how they made the playoffs, and that's how they found success in the playoffs. But when you look at the series with the Rangers, they've been back to being – 
kind of a liability not the entire bullpen but you know the game one loss is on seawald and now here in game four you could definitely hang it on the bullpen start and you know those three guys miguel castro uh kyle nelson and luis frias were the ones that gave up those nine nine of those ten runs so that's just a, an unfortunate situation where you know here we are back to you know the bullpen that, that maybe being a bit overutilized and and falling you know last night yeah, Corey Seager also was in the mix there with a two-run home run. His 19th postseason dinger of his career. Trails Walk only. that man. Dude, look, he's he's giving Jacob nightmares. He's giving producer, he's giving Fodge nightmares. He's How the, you doing, he's buddy? He's the nightmare of my life. <laughs> he absolutely is. The nightmare maker, he's just, Corey he's, he's been He's been a beast. He has been. He has been Sorry, first. I got some delay for you there, Patrick. First, uh, I appreciate you bringing the delay. That's that's one of the favorite things I love about uh, chatting with you is the personality and the delay occasionally. No, no, no. Uh, but yeah, first shortstop with three home runs in a single World Series. So right now he's in line to not only just win the MVP in the 2023 World Series, but win his second NL MVP. Rangers now have home runs in 15 straight playoff games. That's the third longest streak in uh, postseason history, trailing <sighs> the Diamondbacks, who had a streak of 17 that that was just ended this postseason. Uh, but 23 is is that mark by the New York Yankees from uh, 2019 to 2022. And and maybe even worse than, than Corey Seager and how dominant he's been, even despite the fact that he hasn't had some protection behind him in the lineup because Adolis Garcia, we got word ahead of game four, uh, is out you know, with his, uh, his oblique issue. And so the commissioner signs off on it, says, yes, you, know, uh, you can make a roster substitution. So Ezekiel Duran on the roster. Didn't get to see him just yet. We might not. Max Scherzer also off that roster. Uh, Brock Burke in uh, out of the bullpen, who he was used on Tuesday night in, in game four. But Marcus Simeon's been the other guy, along with Corey Seager, that you say, okay, these are two dangerous bats in the lineup. And Simeon was really quiet going into the World Series. Had two doubles and 52 at-bats. And you don't want him to get hot. And he got hot. Triple in game three. Three-run home run. In uh, in game four on Tuesday night, he now has six RBI, and, and that might even be the the worst part about it is maybe the Rangers really only have two guys that are doing it in a big way, but they've got two guys, uh, and on some nights that's that's been more than what the Diamondbacks have been able to to put out there offensively. Yeah, I mean, Cattell has been doing it uh, all series long, like he has all postseason long, but. <laughs> Excuse me. At times he doesn't have that backup. He doesn't have that additional person uh, to help him out offensively. Christian Walker made a defense bearer last night, but he was actually not bad at the plate at all. I believe he went three for five. There's still a lot of talk about him, but this Texas Rangers team, you got to just tip your cap to them. They have been incredible on the road. They are undefeated still. Uh, you know, they lose somebody like Adolis Garcia and they're able to bring in Jankowski, who absolutely delivered and contributed to the win last night. And you just, uh, you, you can't seem to stop them at times offensively, even though, like you said, it is two guys kind of doing it. Uh, the rest of their roster has, you know, has, has been a pain in the Diamondback side and, and it has not made it easy either. But Corey Seager right now is just unstoppable. And I, I think without having, you know, Garcia in there to protect him in the lineup, it doesn't make any sense to me to be pitching to this guy and having beating you the way that the Diamondbacks have. Like sometimes you just got to, you know, you, you'd rather make that next guy beat you. And at this point with the Texas Rangers lineup, uh, it, 
might not even work out doing that. I, I think the Diamondbacks back is against the wall tonight, and they absolutely need to figure out a way uh, to hold those guys, you know, and and to generate some runs at the same time. I, I still am skeptical if they would have been able to score as much as they did last night if they weren't already in a blowout. But hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully this team uh, is clicking at least a little bit offensively there at the end of the game. Seems like most of their offense is, you know, coming up towards the end of some of these games. So, like, that seems to be a trend that isn't great. Uh, I know that they've been much better, obviously, like any team is when they're able to, you know, jump out to a lead. He can do a good job potentially at, at home. He has been very good at Chase Field this season. And uh, uh, I think hopefully he can he can hold this Rangers offense and, and give the Diamondbacks a, a chance to win. Yeah, the, hopefully there is that momentum, as you said, with the, the bats late in the game, in game four. But if you need some momentum at, at any gathering that you're going to be at, make sure you're doing that with Breckenridge Distillery, the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash, American-style whiskey. We've got it at all of our tailgates uh, at DNVR, as well as our watch parties down on the corner of Colfax and York. It's fantastic. They're actually giving away a couple tickets, uh, entire uh, yeah, two tickets to the Breckenridge Bourbon Suite there at the end of the, uh, the season against... Those Los Angeles Chargers, all you got to do is take a photograph of yourself, your your favorite Broncos photo, post to Instagram or Facebook with hashtag Broncos Bourbon. And uh, by the end of this month, because it's November, happy November, everyone, they will uh, narrow it down to 10 favorites uh, and you can get it on the fan vote. It's, it's pretty cool. Again, it's at all the Broncos tailgates in the DNVR bar watch parties. You can get it in all 50 states. It's everywhere. At Prey, anywhere. Shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award winning Breckenridge Spirits. Hero Bread is absolutely fantastic. It's pretty much what I've been having uh, as part of my sandwiches while eating lunch here at PHNX, trying to save a couple bucks. Uh, do it on the cheap. We know travel can be expensive, but with Hero Bread, uh, it is a lot better for you. There's nutritional benefits there if you want to go for the high fiber or you're looking more at the ultra low net carbs or zero sugar. You've got all of those options. They've got killer recipes on their website as well. It's really great. They do buns. They do tortillas. It's amazing. Hero Bread is offering DNVR family 10% off their first order. All you got to do is go to hero.co. So instead of calm, it's CO. You're going to save minutes every week by not having to type that letter M in. It's hero.co and use code DNVR to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Yeah, the, uh, one of these big silver linings from game four was uh, was not Travis Jankowski, uh, unfortunately. because But that, that's how the script works, right? The guy gets hurt an all-time get postseason player and then Travis Jankowski comes in and immediately gets two hits two RBI no no but for the Diamondbacks that silver lining of course was Ryan Nelson not Ryan Ryan that's it Ryan Nelson five and a third innings pitched only gave up three hits one run allowed that was a solo home run to Jonah Heim didn't walk anyone six strikeouts we have not seen a performance like that in a World Series game in relief of five innings or more and uh, six strikeouts or more and or rather one uh one run allowed or less since his former teammate Madison Bumgarner in 2014 much different situation the game was on the line it wasn't a blowout <laughs> but even still you know that's baseball right yeah that's absolutely baseball it's incredible uh and i mean Ryan Nelson honestly uh he there there is a lot of talk about whether or not he should have started and much like the offense at the end of this game who knows if if he could have come in and done what he did uh, as a starter, but 
the the thing about this is is that the Diamondbacks were searching for a starter. Uh, you know, they decided to go with a bullpen game. Tory has that trust in his bullpen, and it didn't go their way. But I mean, in the World Series, do you really want to be going to a bullpen game? Do you want to be turning to a bullpen arm that can give you some length? Right, like the fact that he went with Joe Mantiply, fully knowing that Mantiply was only going to see four batters at most he ended up seeing six uh i mean you're 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 you really were you know limiting uh how long you knew that mantiply was going to go for meanwhile you could have put nelson in nelson could have given you an inning and a third like mantiply gave you or he could have ended up going five and a thirds and essentially giving you what a starter would have it would have changed the dynamic of the game substantially if he was able to hold the rangers to just that one run and it would have been different guys coming in after that point. We would have seen high leverage guys like Andrew Saul Frank and T time Ryan Thompson. Uh, and of course, you know, Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald, if everything went according to plan. Uh, I, again, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's like an MCU alternate timeline that we'll never know based on the outcome because, you know, again, it's, it's a big deal to start a World Series game. Maybe the pressure is on Ryan Nelson differently. Maybe the reason why he was able to come in and give five and a third is because the team was down by 10. So who cares at that point? You could give up five more at that point. They're not even going to blame you at that point. They're just going to, once again, like we've been doing, blaming the bullpen collectively as a whole, like they are Voltron or something, right? So, like, I, I guess, uh, you you know, there are factors there that could have led to the Diamondbacks scoring those runs late. Yeah, Derek, you're 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 mixing your 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 universes with Marvel, with, you're mixing with your Marvel with Voltron there. But I I like it. I I want to see the Voltron Marvel mashup. And and as you said, kind of like in another alternate reality, if you will, we're talking more about Lourdes Curiel, who had a three run home run late in this game, had four RBI, uh, most uh, for a Diamondback in the World Series since uh, Danny Batista had five in Game Six of that 2000. One World Series. It's been it's been very eerie, uh, with with how many similarities there have been with with this World Series for the Diamondbacks, as well as uh, the one in, in 2001 against the Yankees. And you know maybe it's going to have to be kind of a similar situation where the Diamondbacks do the unthinkable and they come back and and actually win this three one because it it certainly seems like it's it's not going to happen. Um, just like it didn't seem like the Diamondbacks were going to win in 2001, they shouldn't. That was not their destiny. Uh, after 9-11 and the Yankees making the World Series, a dynasty that they had, you know, just won uh, the last three World Series leading up to that, 98, 99, and, and 2000. So obviously the Yankees are going to win again. Obviously the Rangers are going to win again or are going to win here. But the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, they did it once before. Maybe they can do it again in, uh, in all best of seven postseason series. The team holding a 3-1 edge has gone on to win the series 85% of the time, which Seems so. You're saying there's a chance. Fifteen percent. That actually seems a lot higher than you would guess, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For the sure. pitching so, lines up. I mean, it feels it feels like you really got your den when you have those three wins, especially when you have a chance to just win one more game to take it. Uh, but yeah. you know, the Diamondbacks have done this stuff when we've not expected them to be good. They've done this stuff when we've said, uh, "I don't think that this, you know, I don't think this is going to go their way." Maybe they run out of luck here. Who knows? I think that, uh, of course, they, they do have their three best arms ready to go for the remaining three ar- three games. So I feel comfortable about that. It's just, you know, I, I still, 
and and I think that Rockies fans could really relate to this. I just still want to reiterate how proud uh, Diamondbacks fans should be of this team, no matter what happens today. If they win in advance, if they stretch this out to seven, if they win it, obviously we know how proud we're going to be of them. But should they lose or should they not make it to the end, even if they do extend this to more games, they have to be proud. You know, obviously yeah. we're seeing a lot of reactions. We're seeing people's feelings in real time. And I totally get that being an emotional guy myself. However, uh, I so damn proud of what this team has accomplished yeah that's awesome yeah, <sighs> diamondbacks should be should be proud diamondbacks fans like absolutely it, it uh they've been doing it they've been doing all this entire postseason coming back and so you know if they're the seventh team in world series history to ever come back down 3-1 to win it in the first since the 2016 chicago cubs obviously that was a very historic one uh and, and anytime you come back from 3-1 that that's a big one uh i am sort of curious about zach gallon on the bump tonight against nathan yavaldi big game nate he's he's got that nickname absolutely for a reason uh, given ace enough chances to flip a script then he'll probably do it who yavaldi no gallon well that's because, the thing that because i'm curious Evaldi's, about all these script didn't flip he had one bad start right. and, that, and it wasn't even really that bad no. of a start i just more so i'm thinking that like Gallon can't be this bad for that long. Well, that's sort of my question is that, you know, he had another like mediocre start. Maybe it wasn't a clunker. Five innings pitch. He gave up three runs. Uh, his postseason ERA went up a little you know, slightly there. He's got a 5-2-7 ERA this postseason. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people would probably be surprised to know, like, you know, Diamondbacks fans know that he's not that that true ace, like his numbers reflect it, but man, he can kind of disappear from time to time. He had, he's had a couple starts this season where he gave up uh, five earned runs or, or, or more in a start. And so uh, he's absolutely going to, uh, to have to shut things down if, uh, if the Diamondbacks want to push this to Texas at least. But uh, if you want to get some fantastic merchandise, make sure you're heading over to foco.com. Look, they've got a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles. They've got these hand-painted bobbleheads that are just absolutely exquisite. They're really limited edition, so they sell out pretty quickly. So you got to make sure you move in on those in your man cave. I'm saying, you know, if uh, your significant other is complaining about your bobblehead purchases, say, honey, I'm not buying bobbleheads. I'm buying art because that's what Foco is giving you, some art. Those those overalls, I think, are at least an artistic expression. If you want to get them to see you buffs, they're there. Uh, they got a ton of teams very much an artistic expression with those overalls and maybe you even take up painting a lot of painters like to rock the overalls imagine if you had you know cu buffs or a broncos pair of overalls and you got some paint splatter on that very sporty very artistic as well they got peanuts bobbleheads fun hawaiian shirts tons of hats millions of hats holidays are coming up so get some gifts and do it on the cheap because when you use code dnvr you're going to get 10 percent off all non-pre-sale items and if you want to do things on the cheap and you want to go to some sporting events you got to make sure you're using game time best part is besides the fact that you're going to get 20 dollars off your first purchase when you use promo code dnvr but you get to see the actual view of your seats so you're like well in theory, I can imagine what these could look like. And then you find out and you're a little disappointed. That's never going to happen whatsoever with game time. You don't have to guess at whether you're going to like your view. You can look at 
what you're going to see right on the app. It's really great. They've got some fantastic last minute price drops that can be found on seats that you never thought you can buy up to 60% off the face value when you wait closer to the start of an event at game time. So if you want to hang out around the arena or the stadium, whether it's a concert, sporting event, you name it, you can get some last minute deals, flash deals, zone deals as well. Download the game time app, create an account and use code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code dnvr for 20 dollars off that first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and if you need something guaranteed in your life like a good friend i've got nobody better than the man right here kevin henry from fanside it always can rely on this guy no matter where in the world he is here he is my guy what's up kevin dude i am i'm in the beautiful state of colorado you should come try it sometime you really should you know? September is probably the last time. Look, I still have seen you more in the last six weeks than my wife. That weekend in Chicago that we had. My wife just wants a weekend of me at home. She can't get that. But you and I will always have Chicago at the end of the season, won't we? That Cubs-Rocky series will always live in my heart, man. Absolutely. Good to see you, you man. You, me, Chris Bryant, Wrigley Field, and a little case of COVID that I caught there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Zach Allen, have you been surprised with just how mediocre he's been in the postseason for a guy that's been in the Cy Young conversation for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of things about that that surprised me. You know, I, I that was one story that I did for Fansided back in the day was how he was going to be a contender for the Cy Young this year and him and Brent Strom both talking about the strong year that they were having and the pitch mixes and everything else. And obviously, it just hasn't come to fruition in the postseason. So it's been a really a strange ride for Zach Gallon. It has. Sure, sure has been. What has uh, been your your favorite takeaway so far from this World Series? It's it's kind of been one sided, you know. The the Diamondbacks had the big blowout in Game Two where they're up nine one. Game One was uh, hey one pitch from Paul Sewald, maybe that changes thing. The umpire was kind of a factor. A couple what if moments in Game Three, but the Rangers dominated in Game Four. So you really have to say, yeah, this has been a three one series. It's it's fair that it, it's true to that uh, that score. It is. And, you know, I was at games one and two in Texas, our good friend Jesse there, uh, you know, in the clubhouse and everything else. But I, I do go back to that seawall pitch. And I wonder, had he been able to get Corey Seager out in the ninth, you know, it would have at least been 2-2 at this point. I really do wonder how that would have changed the series. And I know, you know, the umpire calls are in, in play and everything else. But I think that that moment, I, I think that that was when Texas really – again, gained momentum and moving forward. And even when, and I do love the answer backs thing, by the way, I, I have fallen in love with them being called the answer backs, but even, even that game two thing, you could tell if there was this confidence in the Texas clubhouse that, Hey, we're playing on the road. We love playing on the road actually. So, so I think that that was a huge missed opportunity actually in game one. Yeah, ten and zero on the road for these Rangers just in this postseason alone. So, if you can snap that and, and win tonight, Diamondbacks can uh, go out and do what they did in Philly and, and win six and seven on the road in uh, in that shed. And you know, uh, this series is, has been you know interesting. And and I, you know, Corey Seager obviously is kind of the highlight right now. He's he's in line for the MVP. 
Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens the the discourse in the off season, which I, I I don't want to get there yet. Like I give us three more games, please. Baseball in November is great. Happy November to everyone. But give us three more games. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens this off season with the discourse with the ABS and how much. Well, you know what we we need that. And what does it look like? Is it going to be just the challenge system, or is it going to be full blown? You know what? Let's not even take those baby steps. Let's just go right away all in on uh, the automatic ball strikes system electronic it, that will be interesting to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks it will and, and unfortunately those calls in game three everything's magnified when you get to the world series even if there aren't a lot of people watching it supposedly everything gets magnified and so i think that those bad calls uh that will carry over and i am curious to see how much momentum then you get for the abs and, and everything else that we've been talking about but i hope it also doesn't take away from honestly and I know Diamondbacks fans won't agree with this, but it's been a fun series. I mean, it really has. And I've enjoyed seeing a couple of new teams in there, some new faces in there. You know, I, I think it's been a really good series. I just wonder how much that whenever the Diamondbacks did rally to knock off the Phillies, how much people just went, click. If the Astros aren't in it, if the Phillies aren't in it, and eh, who cares about new teams? And I think that that's where MLB still has a big marketing problem is trying to make sure that people understand the good stories that are on these two teams and why it's a, why it should be a classic fall classic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, Game two, I thought was great. Yeah, despite the the smackdown that the uh, Diamondbacks put on the Rangers, it was a lot closer earlier on in the game before that that nine one score. But that game was about the story. It was about Merrill Kelly. Wait, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Thirty five years old. We're just hearing about him now. Oh, he's actually had a couple good seasons. Oh, wait, he kind of flamed out as a prospect with the Rays, and then he went over to South Korea. Like all of those things, I think makes for compelling television. Can he continue to do it? And uh, you know what? Uh, what group, special elite group is he in in an uh, all time World Series history? And in a way, there there kind of hasn't been that. And you've got Adolis Garcia, which has a great story, but now that's been snuffed out, of course, with his injury and, and maybe Max Scherzer if he's on his game a little bit more talking about witnessing this Hall of Fame guy against a 25 year old rookie pitcher who's in the minor leagues that kind of got snuffed out too unfortunately so if you don't have those stories during the game and you don't have those superstars just going into the series it, I, I think it can be hard for those casual fans to latch yeah. on and watch. You know, and it's a shame because you mentioned the injuries to the Rangers and they've been overcoming these all year. You know, I mean, and and think back to that last weekend in Seattle. You know, I know you weren't in the Coors press box, but I know you and I were texting about them collapsing and the AL West shifting so quickly. And, and I really do think that that story and how they rebounded then on that cross-country flight to get to Tampa, I don't know if that's been told enough nationally. You know, I, I certainly think that there's a lot of good things with, you know, Ketel Marte, let's be honest. Why, why aren't we talking more about this guy and the yeah. skills that he has at the plate? You know, I think that there's a lot of things that whenever we just look at a team and we go, oh, the Diamondbacks. Well, there's a lot more to dig into. And I, I wish that on a national level that that people knew that there was something good to really dig into there. Yeah, and, and and maybe they're they're able to get that opportunity with uh with at least one win where where they stay kind of in that conversation 
you know, just a, just a little bit. And yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how, how you tie those things together. Two teams that kind of squandered their opportunity uh, in the final series uh, of the season. Uh, Rangers were able to get one out of the four against yeah. Seattle, but still they come away kind of failing against a, a division foe and, and the Diamondbacks getting swept by the Astros in a very odd occurrence of both teams celebrating at a ballpark saying, hey, we made the postseason, one won the game, one lost it. That's kind of strange. Uh, do you think that uh, we're going to see the Rangers celebrating in the pool at Chase Field tonight? Ah. No, I, I just don't see it. I think at some point they've got to lose on the road this year, you know, but I, I think I've said that ever since the Houston series too. So, you know, but I, I do think that the, the answer backs will be able to answer back tonight. I absolutely do. I think, and I also think that there's a lot of people in Texas that if they could win that on their home field, I, I predicted Texas in seven long before we started this thing. And I think that if they could celebrate on their home field, man, it would rival anything that the Cowboys have done in quite some time down there. Who? Who is it? I, I know. Is I that know a football those. team? I don't pay attention to that. Well, that's what I hear. But, uh, you know, but one thing I was thinking, I want to get your take on this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to steal the show from you. But, you know, had the Rockies, now in this alternate universe, okay, had the Rockies made it this year, I, I keep thinking about those Diamondback Rockies parallels and them trying to tell the story of Nolan Jones, try, them trying to tell the story of Brenton Doyle and how much the national people may or may not have latched onto that just as much as the Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, you know, uh, and all those from the Diamondbacks that people just don't be ready to sink their teeth into for some reason. That's so interesting that you say that because despite the fact that this was the worst season in Rockies history, uh, according to win loss record, 103 losses, this definitely was a better season covering the team than last year. We we still had the same issues, right? We still had the same issues. Once it was like late July, it was like, hey, there's a lot of people showing up at these ball games. You know, the the attendance was the story in the summer because there really weren't stories with with players and and guys doing things on the field both in 2022 and 2023. And then we got to the middle part of August, and it was wow, Brent Doyle still great out there and uh, and performing defensively under the bright lights of, of Coors Field and, and MLB and, and Nolan Jones, all of a sudden, he's continuing to slug. He's continuing to reach base. He's continuing to get an outfield assist seemingly every other day. Ryan Feltner comes back and Daniel Bard, you know, is able to figure out a couple things and and continues that dialogue of, about what it, what it means to, to have anxiety in pro sports. And so there were more compelling figures within that Rockies clubhouse and better stories to tell. So despite the, the, the Rockies losing, you know, that many more games than last year, it was a more enjoyable season. It was a more important season to watch. There was a lot more there. You're right. You don't just have to have the, the big names or all, you know, the, the win total to back up that intrigue that uh, the Diamondbacks are, are providing. And maybe we'll get an opportunity to see here at some point. Yeah, because honestly, a lot of the big names for the Rockies, you know, Ryan McMahon didn't have didn't have the, the best year. You know, Marquez and Freeland both end up on the injured list. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of the names out there that I think uh, went by the wayside where you had these younger guys with good stories. And like you said, Bard, the veteran as well. You know, there was a lot of good things that could have been spun in that alternate universe when the Rockies make the World Series this year. Uh, but but it, it I did. I was wondering about that. The more that I've watched Everybody nationally kind of talk about everything other than the World Series. Uh, it's been <laughs> interesting to see. 
Uh, no, that that's a that's a good one. Yeah, there there's even more. I mean, like Peter Lambert's kind of come back, and you're like, oh, okay, all right. So this could be a guy again. It's kind of interesting because on MLB trade rumors, they're getting you know they're they're getting all of their offseason stuff together, and uh, they just had a list that dropped of 105 players that are potential non-tender candidates. And I had to go through the list like three times. Actually, I made a spreadsheet there. I said it. Okay, folks, I still make spreadsheets. Patty Stats, they call me that for a reason. Uh, Patty Spreadsheets, Patty Plantains. Anywho, uh, and I was like, I had to make a spreadsheet just to make sure I didn't miss a name. I'm like, there's no way the Rockies have zero non-tender candidates. A lot of that has to do with, you know, they they did uh, a DFA some guys in the last couple of weeks. But Peter Lambert was the only one on there, uh, you know, scheduled to make $1.2 million in arbitration. And it's like maybe that happens. Maybe they non-tender him. Maybe not. I could see them, you know, with with uh, the depth that he provides to the rotation since they don't have very much. They can just give him that money or renegotiate for something a little bit less. But honestly, I, I think Peter Lambert to the Rockies is probably worth $1.2 million. I don't think he'll get non-tendered. No, I, I think the, the fact that they need heartbeats and they need arms, uh, there's no way that they're going to say goodbye to Peter Lambert. I just I do not see that happening. You're right. That's true. What I do see happening is uh, is you, in particular, Kevin, cracking open a can of Broncos country. Good, good old Breck Brew, right? Uh, it's made with high wire hops in the North Fork Valley. Colorado ingredients made in Colorado with renewable energy on top of that. It's a Colorado company. Make sure you're supporting them because they support us. Let's support one another. Do it at breckbrew.com and the Breck Brew locator to find out where you can get it near you. So uh, I popped in at the uh, Arizona Fall League yesterday, hoping to uh, to do so tomorrow. Game in, uh, in Scottsdale, Scorpions versus the Salt River Rafters. Catch up with some of the prospects. Sterling Thompson went one for four, RBI, his 11th of the year. Uh, hit leadoff, was playing right field, walked. How important do you think he could be to the Rockies in their offseason plans. If they've got big plans for Sterling Thompson, and so far he's uh, he's been doing it, they've got yeah. big plans for him, what could that possibly mean for the roster this offseason if Bill Schmidt's going to make a deal? It's a question for sure. you know. And, and I think whenever you're looking at what deals that Schmidt may make this offseason, uh, you know, Sterling Thompson's value is never going to be higher than it is right now. If they were actually looking to cash in on that, then I could see it making sense. You know, there, there's all sorts of thoughts and, and rumors and whatever you want to talk about out there about who might be moved this offseason. And the Rockies are going to have to figure out they've got this whole, you know, and you and I have talked about this, this whole litany of outfielders right now, this whole, you know, good crop of young players. How are they going to choose which ones are actually going to get the playing time whenever you got a guy like Thompson knocking on the door as well? You've re-signed Blackman. You know he's going to play a role there already. So there, there's a lot of things I think that they have to figure out, and there's a bit of a roster crunch coming coming that absolutely I think Sterling Thompson puts a little bit more pressure on because of the way he's playing in the AFL. That's true. Uh, Drew Romo was uh, the designated hitter, two for five, two doubles. You like that his bats coming along uh, a lot better this season after uh, being a little bit banged up there in, in 2022 with the hand injury. Jaden Hill, scoreless ninth inning. Case Williams will be on the bump today. He's pitched really well through four starts. So far in Arizona Fall League play, 11 and a third innings pitched. Uh, only given up six hits, three runs, seven walks, a little higher than you'd like, 13K. He's only 21 years old. And, you know, you can pitch the entirety of uh, this past season at double A. I think he's somebody that you definitely are going to pencil in to say he's going to make a start at some point in the year, uh, easily late in the year, but depending on how things go with the rotation and depending on how good of a spring he has, a guy who was already uh, a big league roster invite to spring training last year, we might even see him uh, at some point in the middle of the summer as well. 
And, and I think really whenever you look at what the Rockies' goals were for the AFL, they've for the most part been checked. The boxes have been checked. I mean, you you just mentioned all the guys that either they're growing or they've been producing down there. And so I think that that's really an important thing. You know, as we move into this offseason, you know, the AFL sometimes gets overlooked. You know, what's going on down in the winter leagues is going to get overlooked. But I think that this offseason, that's perhaps more critical than ever because of what you were just talking about with the roster decisions are going to need, going to, need to be made. And guys like, you know, Jaden Hill, Case Williams, you're exactly right. How do they fit into the future as well, knowing the Rockies are going to need arms? How quickly can they push them to get up to the major league level? Yeah, it's true. They, they've been a lot aggressive, uh, a lot more aggressive with the with the promotions. You know, and it's funny in years past when you look at the Arizona Fall League roster, it's typically guys who need to be added to the forty man roster, uh, or else they're going to be exposed to Rule Five. And so it's like one last final look. And the last couple of years, the Rockies have been, you know, like I said, more aggressive, saying, "Hey, this guy doesn't have to be added until like next year or in two years, but we just want to get them to have more reps uh, against some uh, higher level talent." And so I think that's been, you know, positive. I think for the entire system now we've got a couple open spots here for uh for managers and uh again world series is going on as you said we're talking about everything other than the world series it, it feels like uh but the padres got to figure out a couple things as they just allowed their manager to go uh to get zero compensation but here you go giants you can have bob melvin phil nevin uh, who wasn't renewed by the angels uh, is now one of the top candidates along with benji gill father of former rockies prospect mateo gill who came over in the nolan arenado deal was a Mexico manager in the uh, World Baseball Classic and was the Angels infield coordinator. Those are two of the new names. Padres are really kicking the tires on a lot of guys right now. They are. And and he, so here's the two lines of thought, uh, because th this is something I've always been, been following pretty closely, is number one, do you keep a guy that, that they already know? Mike Schilt obviously is, is way up there on the rankings. Do you keep a guy who's already in-house, knows the players, everything else, or do you look at a guy like Nevin or Gill, who would be that fresh perspective coming in from outside? And I, you know, you read into Bob Melvin's comments, you look at everything. It's not so much about how that that new manager is going to mesh with the players as much as he's going to mesh with AJ Preller and the front office. I mean, that is really something that I think is going to be taken into big consideration here. And I know Padres fans are trying to figure that out right now. It, it, who can actually get along with A.J. Preller and maybe have that same vision? Because it's very clear from the comments that wasn't Bob Melvin. It's it's so interesting that clubhouse and it's so interesting the concept of like sabermetrics of, hey, let's just put all these pieces together that on paper work. But then there's the clubhouse chemistry thing that sometimes it's like, ah, it's not that important or it's overblown or this guy's a good clubhouse guy. Like those pieces are, are really important for meshing a really good clubhouse that that comes together so you don't have certain issues and so that everyone does buy in. So for that reason, a Mike Schilt would probably be a, a, a candidate preferred by AJ Preller or even Ryan Flaherty as well, another in-house guy. But if you're looking on the from the outside looking in, you say, the Padres need to shake things up just a little bit with with someone from outside the organization. But you do that, that's going to shake things up with AJ Preller. It's going to shake up the roster, and that kind of yeah. blows up the whole plan to begin with. Well, and this is a Padres team that's going to get blown up anyway. I mean, they've got 15 free agents. They're supposed to be cutting their spending to just around 200 million this offseason, which means that you could lose a Juan Soto, you could lose a Josh Hader, a Blake Snell. There's a lot of changes that the Padres are going to go through. 
with their roster as well. So all that talk that we heard for so long about this is the Padres year and they've got all the pieces and everything else, that's going to be a little bit hushed next year because they're definitely not spending what other teams are going to be spending, especially that team that's just up by five from them in Los Angeles. So I really think that uh, this is going to be, um, we talk about bridge seasons with the Rockies. It's weird to say, I think next season's almost a bridge season with the Padres too, because they've got the Jackson Merrills, the Ethan Salas, you know, all these prospects that all those Padres fans are so excited about seeing uh, that they'll be knocking on the door at the end of next year or 2025. That's interesting. Craig Council, not a candidate as far as we know. Seems like every other team is uh, is, is trying to, to get him to, to work uh, as their manager. Uh, Astros are now interested in him. Uh, he was already in the Cleveland mix. I think he's still going to end up in New York. I think he's like, you know what? I wouldn't mind to be wined and dined. Take me around. And that's just going to increase that price a little bit. The game plan is to go to New York, be with his guy, David Stearns. And again, it might not happen, but I think you know Craig Council uh, Council is enjoying his time right now just a little bit. Oh, I think he's enjoying making the Mets squirm a little bit. I absolutely <laughs> Even though the relationship is there and everything else, I don't see any scenario where he doesn't end up in New York next year. I mean, unless the Brewers do a Hail Mary and can somehow keep him there, uh, I, I think that it's one of those two places. I think he's just flirting with Houston and Cleveland. Uh, but I, I think uh, very likely Craig Council of the Mets is that's almost a it feels like a done deal, even though it didn't. Uh, one final piece of, of coaching uh, changes. Good news, bad news for two former Rockies. Eric Young Jr. out as the first base coach. Uh, we got that information you know, earlier in the offseason. But in, in as the first base coach, 36-year-old. He seems like he'd be a lot older than that because he's been around for forever. But Gerardo Parra, first base coach. His first job uh, as, as a coach uh, in, in MLB after a really great 12-year career. Won a World Series in 2019 with the Nationals. Played in Japan in 2020. So Gerardo Parra getting back into the mix. We talk about clubhouse. We talk about chemistry. You know, how much does Gerardo Parra mean? You know, you, you and I have talked about that. The Cargos, the Paras, those guys who could bring the clubhouse together in Colorado. And you can see that value whenever he went to Washington. And now, obviously, with this job as well, uh, they, they absolutely latched on to something special. And, and I'm sure Baby Shark will be played time and time again in the clubhouse to everybody's delight. Uh, he, I mean, he's got to officially be a daddy shark now. If you're a coach, you can't you can't be a baby in, in any capacity. It will be really interesting to see, you know, the, even even through spring training. When spring training ends, we'll probably already have that buzz of like, oh my God, Harar Parr is definitely a future managerial candidate. You can see that because as you just said, he was definitely that glue in that uh, 2017 and 2018 Rockies clubhouse. A guy that I was, I was just saying recently, one of the best free agent pickups they've ever had. And, and sure, you look at his baseball reference page and you go like, oh, I mean, you know, he was okay. Maybe he, maybe the Rockies broke even as far as his performance and what they ended up paying. But in the clubhouse, that's where all that value was. So it would not surprise me if he ends up being like this great managerial candidate, uh, even as soon as next year. And I know there are guys who roll their eyes whenever we talk about clubhouse quotient and the importance of that and everything else. But, but I will tell you, it's absolutely real, you know, and you, and I'll tie it back into this World Series. You know, the Rangers, whenever, you know, you bring in a guy like Bruce Bochy, uh, you bring in a guy who has that calming presence over the entire team. And absolutely, they've got a lot of free agents coming in there. They've got a lot of guys who are not homegrown coming in on that team, but yet they figured out a way to have some of those glue pieces in there and that Bochy overall presence uh, that, that's been talked about quite a bit. And, and it's making a difference in Texas. So I, I don't think you can undersell what guys like Para mean 
whenever the doors are closed and we don't get to see inside. Look, we already have a manager or a former manager uh, that had a hand tattoo and Mr. Gabe Kapler. Now we might have a coach that rides a scooter in to the ballpark each and every day. So why not? I'm, I'm absolutely here for it. Kevin, I appreciate you being here for me. Go ahead and plug away. Let folks know where they can check out all of your outstanding, I can't underline that enough, outstanding content. Oh, it's all on fansided.com slash MLB. I'm their national columnist. Like I said, got to talk. Got to end the year with two games in Texas at the World Series. A lot of offseason coming up. And, and I understand through the grapevine, there may even be a trip to the winter meetings coming up. I don't know. I've, I've heard mm. such things. Just saying. We can officially say next month, Nashville. Yes, we- Yes, we can. Nashville. I might have to check uh, the suitcase for that if I'm going to have some cowboy boots. You know what I mean? I don't know if I have enough on my little carry-on rolling suitcase. I got to prepare for that, don't I? Well, if we need to go shopping, I know a place. Let's just, I mean, you and I go boot shopping in in Nashville. I think that's a whole DNVR social experience right there. It does not shock me that you have a boot guy uh, on retainer. So, Kevin, (laughs) preach. Yeah, boot guy. Do appreciate you joining me as always. Make sure you're following all of our content everywhere. The DNVR.com. Wonderful articles there about the Rockies and all the sports teams uh, in, in Denver. On Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I can be found. Kevin, I appreciate the momentum. But but do you know what they say about momentum in regards to baseball podcasts? I've, I've heard it, but it's been so long you may need to remind me. Yeah, I thought you were a baseball guy. Well, th- what they say is... That momentum is only good as your next show. Thankfully, it's going to be a good one. We got Susie right here. Make sure you're tuned in to the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube. 